Hello everyone, welcome to an exciting episode of Passing Dimes. Ah, just kidding, they're all exciting, but this one, uh, I feel like we're finally moving into indoor now because it's, it's getting cold out. It's getting a little nippy out here in Canada, but uh, it's a good way for us to transition into uh, the indoor game with, uh, with our university and colleges season starting up right now. We've got a pretty exciting guest on the table today. It's a great guest because he's involved in what feels like every layer. So our, our guest is involved in... He's involved in Ontario Summer Games. He's involved in Team Ontario. He's been involved at university, at the uh, Nipissing University, excuse me. And he's currently coaching at the OCAA level. So in the last couple of years, he's been on the men's side at Fanshawe, where not a big deal, national champions. Uh, he also took home a silver, and that is uh, two times they won Ontario. He just switched sides to the women's side, and he's, he's made time for the interview after they just got a big win this weekend. So welcome to the show, Jeff Miller. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate the intro, and I appreciate you having me on. Big Ontario guy, Jeff Miller. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's cover the obvious. How was uh, how was your weekend? Weekend, uh, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, this was our kind of first chance, uh, you know, as a program and as a team, um, to really dive into competition. Um, you know, we've had about uh, six weeks here of great training and. Um, for the girls to kind of put that onto the floor now and uh, you know, see some results, uh, you know, it was incredible to to see them compete together and uh, you know grow over the course of the weekend. So, uh, really happy walking away, obviously with uh, the tournament victory, but um, you know, above that, uh, the girls got so much better and had a great time. You know, we're able to kind of uh, build those connections. So, uh, yeah, absolutely ecstatic walking away. So Fanshawe, the, the mascot for, uh, for Fanshawe College, for those of you who don't know, is the Fanshawe Falcons. And I think as a, I don't know, you want to call it a rite of passage or as a chip on the shoulder, a lot of the, the men's teams, they like to call, call themselves Dirty Birds. Does that go with, with the women's team as well, or is that a little weird for them to be calling themselves Dirty Birds as well? Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it seems to be held pretty strong on the men's side, and um, you know, the, the girls, I guess, just haven't adopted that, uh, that side of the mascot, I guess. And, you know, we'll, we'll leave it to them to call themselves the Dirty Birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, you being, you, you coached at the university level on the women's side. You've been involved with Team Ontario. You've been at a high level of club volleyball. Can you just kind of paint a picture of the level of the OCAA? Because I feel like in Ontario, at least... It's a lot of rah-rah around university, and college seems to be like the ginger stepchild sometimes. Can you just kind of express the level, especially in the West, because not to pump too many guys' tires, but there are some pretty solid coaches in the West in Ontario with, like, buddy of the show, Matthew Schnarr, uh, Jimmy L. Turk's done a good job. Scott Hunt just stepped down, but he was doing a great job at Sheridan. Uh, Wilkins over at Humber, they've had a great run there. So can you just talk about what Ontario's doing at the college ranks right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty incredible and um, definitely uh, a great association to be a part of. Um, you know, it, don't get me wrong, the, the university programs uh, definitely have their exceptional coaches and, and um, you know, their programs have been built over over the course of, uh, you know, quite some term here now. Um, it definitely deserve all the accolades and, uh, you know, all the hype they get for the most part. Um, but uh, on the college side of things, you know, it's, um, it's definitely unique just in how much it's grown over the last couple of years. Um, and it's at a place right now where, uh, you know, we're not losing as many athletes down to the NCAA now. Um, and, and there's a lot of transfer students, you know, taking their fifth year. Um, 
intercollegiate programs. So um, definitely exciting and um, you know an amazing program to be a part of here at Fanshawe. Gives us so much support. So um, you know it, it's been an incredible journey, and uh, I can't wait to see where the OCAA and the CCAA um, can kind of go. Yeah, to speak on that, uh, even from uh, you know close to home level, a friend of the show, Matt Poulin, was a, a CIS All Canadian for I think at least two or three years at, at Western, and then he came uh, full circle and played his final year at uh, at Fanshawe. Were you uh, you had the pleasure of coaching him as well? Uh, so at, at that time, no. I, I actually, as uh, as Matt Poulin moved on from the program, uh, I was able to uh, move down from North Bay and actually. Um, take on that assistant coaching role uh, as he moved on. Right. The so, um, you know, it, the, the paths never crossed uh, on a coaching side of things, but definitely a, a, somebody I call a friend of mine and uh, what a, an incredible athlete. Um, definitely a good coach and did some great things for the program and, um, and having them build from, you know, where they were to where they are now, it's pretty special. Yeah, I think it was it was sort of not to to give him all the credit, but it was definitely after his his final year there that uh, that the program really started to make some noise with some medals within the the conference, and then obviously with the with the with what the uh, CCAA national championship from last year. Yeah, it, uh, I'm pretty sure he's got uh, a national bronze, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when they were hosting. But uh, you know, let, let's not uh, let's not tell him that. No, you probably forgot already. It's pretty big. As, uh, yeah, that's for oh, Isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, before we move on to your involvement with the men's program, can you just give us uh, kind of a season preview for the OCAA on the women's side? Obviously, Fanshawe has been very competitive, but you're stepping in as your first year with the program. Um, a lot of returning athletes from the, the team that medaled at Nationals last year, or is it a lot of new athletes? Like, What are you looking forward to with this squad? year um, some amazing returning athletes um, and, and and a great group of new athletes coming in as well um, who have really kind of just dug their heels in and got to work right away so um, you know program wise we're in a great position here and um, you know the, the previous coach Sean Pello did an exceptional job um, you know putting the right pieces in place um, and um, you know moving on from the program in, in uh, and leaving it in such a great place for for us to take um, you know great steps forward on on the success that they've had last year. So um, you know really fortunate, better year after year. So um, I hope that you know we can repeat on last year's success and um, you know hopefully take steps forward in that regard as well on the CCAA stage. But um, you know that's that's kind of a long way off right now. Um, and, you know, as it stands, we're just looking to get better day by day, as, you know, Mitch Marner and all those NHL guys say, we're just putting in work day after day and showing up to the gym and working really hard. So, uh, you know, the results will take care of themselves. For sure. So with being a college coach, let's just fill in the listeners. How many times are you guys practicing a week? Because sometimes it's not as much as, say, a university program would be. And then can you just share with your roster, like, do you have a mix of is there somebody who finished their university career and now they're doing a fifth year college just to kind of add to their degree? Do you have people who are in like a one or a two year program who you're going to lose quickly? Like what is kind of the balance of, of the team right now? Because I think in university, 
you kind of know what you got and you got fourth and fifth years where college sometimes you get a one and done right yeah absolutely so um you know right now we are training nearly uh four times four times a week i would say um and on top of that they're um, doing their strength conditioning programming three times a week um and just as we're kind of ramping up into our uh, our seasonal schedule we're going to drop that taper off a little bit on the on the training side of things um, and, and kind of gauge um, where we're going to go from there uh, kind of day by day and week by week based on our, our yearly training plan. Um, so I'm excited to not only uh, you know execute on our yearly training plan but definitely learn along the way just to see uh, you know at, at what point when girls are getting better or when fatigue sets in those kinds of things um, you know things that I was so fortunate to to learn from from Pat Johnson on the men's side um, and other great mentor coaches that I've been able to work with. In the past, I never really had to worry so much about that kind of stuff. So um, definitely a learning experience, you know, through the course of the season. But um, to your other question, you know, the, the team, um, you know, the, the makeup of our program and our team, um, we've got one girl with some university experience, um, Janelle Albert, who played for Ryerson and was um, you know, a tremendous force for that program um, and is still dominating uh, the OCAA and the CCAA right now. Um, just an incredible talent there. And then we've got uh, the, the rest of the girls are all collegiate based and taking multi year programs. Um, you know, so very similar to how the universities have broken down there. Um, their year-to-year makeup, we kind of uh, are fortunate enough to have great programming at Fanshawe, and we can uh, we can take advantage of those multi-year uh, programs as well, and kind of have a little bit of confidence and solidarity there, um, you know, moving year-to-year. Nice. So you, you mentioned you were part of PJ's staff. Let's get into the men's program. So as Dallas asked, you kind of moved in after the Poulan era, but were you kind of right on time for Sabathian Lethbridge and that crew? Is that when you kind of arrived on the men's side? Yeah, so I arrived um, kind of on the tail end of, of that uh, of that core. So uh, you know, Sebastian, uh, Cole Jordan, um, you know, JJ uh, spent a year at the full time training center, uh, but then returned uh, there last year for our, our national championship run there. Uh, you know, there were some other exceptional athletes. David Gundrum um, spent five years there, so um, you know it, it was such an incredible program and um, some incredible athletes that are still, um, you know, have returned this year actually, like Mike Miscom and, um, and Mitch McFadden there. Um, so it's uh, you know it's the start of a new era now on the men's side. Um, right after the the national victory, just with a whole uh, kind of crew of them. Uh, Cole Jordan and JJ heading back to the, the full-time training center, um, you know, and, and a few others moving on in, in their different respective areas. And, um, you know, so it's been something special for sure um, that I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of. And, um, and I was so lucky to learn for, for two full years, uh, you know, under the direction of PJ. So um, definitely, um, you know, couldn't have been happier with my experience there with him. So it's it's funny you you mentioned athletes with uh, with you know former university experience. You actually had uh, had the chance to coach one of my old teammates at the University of Guelph, 
uh, Sam Otten, and uh, I just I got a few. I know we're big into stories here on Passing Time, so I, I got a good story for you here too. Actually, um, when Sam was a first year on on uh, on the Guelph team, I was doing my masters, so I was quite a bit older than than some of the incoming rookies. But we had a setter named Sam, we had a left side named Sam, we had Sam Otten, and then we had an Australian Sam. So we had all these different Sams on the team, and nobody really could keep track of all of them. So as a team, we figured, what's the, what's the most opposite name of Sam possible? And someone, uh, our, our starting left side came up with Bruce. So Bruce is the most opposite name of Sam that you could come up with. So everybody in the team started calling Sam Otten Bruce including the coaches, to the point where nobody really knew his real name, and everyone just called him Bruce. <laughs> so my second... It is. And you know what? If you, if you see him and you, and you call him Bruce, he'll, he'll roll his eyes, and he'll probably know that I spoke to you. But uh, the, second, the second story, which I think you're going to find a little funnier, was uh, we were, I think we were coming back from North Bay, or we were going on some big bus trip, and uh, you know, yours truly is a big meme guy. So what I did is I screenshot and cropped all the headshots of all the guys on the roster and I started writing these memes and I would float them around through text messages throughout the team. And I had I had Bruce's Sam Otten Bruce's headshot up and the caption said first year OUAL rookie team, second year OCAA All-Star. <laughs> and everyone got a huge kick out of that. Until he actually dropped out of school the following year and went to Fanshawe for his second year. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I got pulled into the coach's office for a little, um, give your head a shake about that meme. And I, and I want to turn around and say, hey, but you know what? It, it ended up being true. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Maybe that was the, uh, maybe that was the inspiration for him. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. He owes, he owes me, not, I, you know, I, uh, I'll take credit for his national championship. Yeah, there you go. If you don't, who will, right? Yeah, right? So. Yeah, that's right. He's, uh, he's such a special talent, that guy. Um, you know, he's actually taking, um, I, I believe it to be his final year um, over at Niagara College now. So he's doing a, uh, a brewery program um, there. And, and we've had the pleasure to actually um, have all three Otten brothers um, through the, the men's volleyball um, through the men's volleyball program, uh, you know, with Will Otten being there two years ago, um, along with Sam, and then uh, now just this year we've got Jackson on uh, in their set. You got the youngest one. That's right, yeah, so we got all three of them. God help you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, you, you got to share some secrets for our audience. What's it like being in a training environment with PJ where... I mean, the expectation was to win a national championship. I, you guys definitely delivered, but I think at the same time, like that was that was the goal. I think for even two or three years for this squad, the the core had played club together. They did really well in club. I think they even won a bronze medal in their 18 new year. So, just what does it look like? What does it feel like in that practice gym where everybody's kind of going for it every day, and, and you got big goals ahead of you? Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I was I, I've been in quite a few high-performance gyms and in different programs and, you know, with different coaching staffs. Um, and, and I've never been um, surrounded by so much um, just what feels like preparation. Um, you know, he is so deliberate in every word that he speaks and, 
um, you know, every drill that he presents and, um, you know, every match plan that, um, you know, that comes out of his hands. And, um, you know, it's, it's incredible how invested these athletes are um, for PJ. Um, but it's to no fault of anybody and it's to every single, um, you know, I, I give PJ every little bit of credit um, because he puts so much work in that nobody will ever see. Um, and he delivers day in, day out for these kids and for, for myself as an assistant coach. Was, he delivered every day for me as well. Um, and it was just so exciting. And, uh, and I was so thankful to be given the opportunity to coach alongside him. And, um, you know, I just learned so much. And, um, you know, I know all of the athletes do as well. And they just respect him, um, you know, for all the work that he puts in, not just for um, Fanshawe, um, but, you know, also previously for, um, you know, for Western and for Boston College, um, for LVC and all the programming that he does there, um, you know, and just for the community community at large. It's, uh, it's pretty special to be in an environment with somebody who cares that much and who, um, you know, will go out of his way um, so many different facets to, to deliver the best experience for every single athlete that he so one thing that I've, I've noticed about volleyball specifically compared to other sports is there's a lot of there's a lot of trickle down copycatting where you know Glenn Hogue gets a lot of credit and every every 14 new coach wants to do what Glenn Hogue's doing and there there's just seems to be oh the national team does this or or Trinity Western does this or or PJ at Fanshawe does this so let's do it with our team. But one example that comes to mind when you talk about how organized PJ is is the competitive cauldron and how organized and drills were measured and we everybody's competing and winning. Is that something that you think club coaches or high school coaches could actually use now that you've kind of seen it in his gym and how he runs it? Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, there's something I think that um, that all coaches can take away from, um, you know, from that environment and from a coach like that whether it's tech, technical, whether it's tactical, whether it's how you prepare um, and organize and structure your gym and your environment, um, whether it's how you speak about, you know, the, the academics or um, whether you know, it's how you speak about the strength and conditioning and the culture and every other, um, you know, piece that is involved in, in developing a national championship team. Um, you know, he he exemplifies those things uh, at such a high level that, um, you know, I believe any coach, uh, no matter the, um, you know, no matter the team or age division or, um, you know, or gender, uh, it, it does not matter. I believe anybody can take something special away from uh, being in the gym with that guy for a couple hours. So how did you guys manage when you guys were statting practice or you were, you were counting who wins the most drills? Like, how did you guys manage that and still have an environment where people were still, like, learning and willing to make mistakes? Yeah, it, um, you know, it, it kind of started, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but the yearly training plan, um, you know, we've, we created um, this yearly training plan together um, where you know, the, the general prep phase of, of our um, of our training allowed for so much inter-squad, um, 
development, the, the focus and the attention and the, and the feedback was never geared towards the outcome. Um, and it was only until we were looking into, you know, specific preparation or peak performance that, uh, that we started to um, actually, you know, look at those things and value those types of um, things in our training environment. So um, for us, it, it you know, I, I won't say it never came up because, um, you know, it, it definitely did nearing, um, you know, our peak performance phase. But, um, you know, when the feedback and when the thought and when everything spoken about is geared towards, um, you know, progress and, um, and development, it's, you know, um, it, it just creates that environment and that culture of, you know, making errors in the right way um, is definitely okay. Uh, provided we learn from those things, and you know we try our best to uh, to error detect and correct and, and move on from those errors. So uh, it's pretty unique and pretty special how he's been able to do that, and um, I've been able to get the best out of every athlete that I've seen come through his gym. All right, that's enough PJ uh, pumping tires for one episode. I think we better get back to you. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to roll the highlight film of him shanking balls as a libero. I'll or those those chest digs, the PJ oh, chest digs. It's easy were... to talk about strength and conditioning when your coach is a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to you. So you were involved with the North Bay Youth Club. Uh, you were with Dermatac, and now you're currently with the London Fire Volleyball Club. Uh, what are you currently doing for club this year, and what's what's going on at LVC? You guys seem to be doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I'm um, for for this year in my uh, new position with Fanshawe. Um, I've tried to uh, essentially kind of put more stock and more time into Fanshawe and building um, that program uh, kind of how I see fit. And then, um, so there's been less time allotted to LVC this year, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be uh, doing my best to help with clinics and get into different gyms and uh, different age groups and uh, helping with camps and that kind of thing. Um, but outside of that, you know, LDC as a whole is is such a great uh, club, and they're doing, you know, in, in my opinion, all the right things here. Setting up mentor coaches and um, having this extraordinary kind of pathway for coach development, uh, and kind of starting with that um, and building that into our player development model has been something special that I've seen. Um, Chris Lawson kind of takes control of that and really um, creates a special environment and a, a special plan that uh, isn't just year by year. He's looking long-term for all these athletes and uh, for everybody in our community. So, um, yeah, pretty cool to see such incredible minds kind of have work and uh, creating something special here in London. So we're going to put you on the hot seat here. London is historically a very good sports city. They, they're very competitive in a lot of different ones. How are you convincing parents and athletes that at the younger age groups that you're not going to have an A team where you guys are going to have balanced rosters, coaches are going to change, athletes are going to swap between? Like, how did you guys really drive home the point of long-term athlete development doesn't necessarily mean winning medals, where Dallas can attest to this being one of the top 15 new coaches in the province. Parents and kids, they want to win. They don't, they don't care about university when they're 14 years old. Like they, they want to win now and they want to win often, right? I want to clarify, top 50 tier 3 coach in 15U. <laughs> Just barely cracked yeah. that, too. <laughs> yeah, great, uh, great question there, Josh. It's, um, 
it, it was definitely a challenge when that opportunity was presented, um, you know, across the board. But um, what LVC has done a great job of and, um, and put a whole lot of time into is putting the right coaches in the right spots. So, um, you know, they have given specific coaches, um, you know, a mentorship role and, um, and certain head coaches uh, are paired with, uh, you know, younger assistant coaches that are looking to um, develop in, in their skills and abilities. And, um, you know, when, when the right people are put in the right place with the um, right intentions here, uh, it's pretty special what, you know, parents actually do kind of commit to um, when there's so much committed to their individual um, child's development. And, you know, nothing um, nothing is really kind of matched outside of uh, individual development results. Uh, and I think there's definitely, uh, you know, no arguing with the individual's that have gotten better through the programming of LBC. So, um, especially in the last few years as well, um, you know, whether there's an A team, a B team, um, you know, whether it's deemed red, black, and white, or, or, or what the teams are called, um, you know, it's it's nearly irrelevant when the result of individual athletes, um, you know, from September through to April, May, uh, you know, all of these kids are getting so much better at loving the sport. So uh, that's really what it's about. And, and you know, the, the leadership team and the brilliant minds at LBC are, are doing such a great job of, of developing these kids and these programs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to see year after year. So how big is LBC? You guys have, is it still called Timbits at the youngest age group? Like, I think you guys are one of the early entry points of volleyball where you have People as young as like six or seven playing volleyball. Is that true? Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, there's there's athletes and the program's called Feed the Fire. Um, and uh, a former Western athlete, uh, Craig Dixon, kind of heads up that kind of stuff. And he does uh, such an amazing job with those kids, just fueling the, uh, um, just the passion and, and the, the incredible energy in the gym. And, um, you know, it's amazing to see uh, how invested kids can become in a sport. Um, you know, the, the very first focus is, is them having fun and then loving that sport. So, um, you know, they're doing a great job with those types of things. I was I had the pleasure of playing against Craig Dixon for, I think, three or four years. So it's good to hear that uh, that guys are still giving it back to the community. I think he was a character guy at Western. So it's good to hear that he's, uh, he's a character guy at the, at the grassroots level, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see, uh, you know, different people taking on different roles in the club. And, uh, you know, the Feed the Fire and the younger programs. Uh, you know, with him, uh, I believe he's, a, if he's not a full-time teacher, he's definitely on track to become. Uh, you know, he's so amazing with the young kids and, uh, and growing that program. That, that's great about the Feed the Fire program. So what happens next? Is there a house league program and then they start playing club around like 11 or 12U? The still burning program. Uh, and then like the goal of winning medals at 18U? Like what is kind of your pathway at a, a bird's eye view? I won't make you trade all your secrets here, but kind of just give us a glance of what is the roadmap here that you, PJ, Lawson, all these guys and, and, and girls have kind of designed. Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, I'll definitely take absolutely no credit for this. Um, you know, it's, um, I am fairly removed from the club and from the leadership team especially. Um, but, you know, there's some, um, 
we're definitely based on more of a, a pyramid type program where you know we take uh, as many athletes as we can possibly get at the at the youngest levels. Um, really try and make them fall in love with the sport, um, and from there, you know, around that 13U um, mark, they're starting to um, you know join our more high performance programming uh, or our development program. Um, you know, similar to any other club that you would see um, kind of across Ontario, trying to create as many opportunities for kids to be, um, you know, enjoying the sport as possible. Um, and then from there, you know, when, um, similar to the LTAD brought down by Volleyball Canada, um, you know, that's when we're trying to, um, we're trying to build around a high-performance model where we're introducing these athletes to, um, you know, high-performance systems and what they're going to be seeing um, more at the collegiate university and hopefully provincial and national team level. Um, you know, and that's around that, you know, 17, 18U mark and um, kind of introductory to those high-performance years is in that 16U year. Um, you know, and both Pat Johnston uh, and Sean Pello kind of head up those programs, the 17, 18s, um, as mentor coaches. And they get to create the yearly training plan for these coaches and these athletes um, and really uh, kind of facilitate how their year is going to go, uh, you know, month after month. And um, they found tremendous success and, you know, two amazing coaching minds, um, you know, for these head coaches and assistant coaches to have access to constantly um, has essentially built um, what is now our high-performance programming at the 17 to New Year's. Wow, it's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to be part of your uh, coaching long-term development plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you guys mentor coaches from other clubs yeah. too? Or just what, <laughs> uh, is, there, can I, is there like a fantasy camp I can come up to to learn how to be a good coach? <laughs> yeah, great. I, I mean, you know, there's a business and everything as... Uh, as Ali Shermer always says, but, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, PJ and Sean kind of do a bunch of different, you know, coaching seminars and different things. And, uh, you know, on top of that, Chris Lawson, um, who's a level four coach as well is, is facilitating a bunch of different programming. So, um, you know, Ontario wide, we're very fortunate, as you said, to have a great group of athletes, but we also have uh, an exceptional group of coaches here in London that are so dedicated to, uh, to growing the sport, and in doing so, have um, you know really, you know, kind of put themselves out there, and um, they're doing such a great job at, at building other coaches. So, um, you know, I take a look at trying to uh, to get on board with some of the courses and the and the programs that they're facilitating. Well, speaking of segues, you mentioned Ellie Shermer, so we'll, we'll give him a slight shout out, but we will shift gears to uh, Madawaska. Is that kind of where you started your coaching career and kind of fell in love with it? Because you've been a big part and a big personality of Madawaska for a lot of years now. Oh, thank you uh, for the kind words. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I fell in love with the sport for sure. Uh, you know, I, I was born and raised in Oxbridge, and um, I was incredibly fortunate to, uh, to have an original coaching mentor uh, and volleyball mentor, really, um, in Tony Kiriakou there in Oxbridge. So... Uh, you know, he kind of facilitated the love for the sport. Um, and after my first year um, there, I actually started at Canador College uh, up in North Bay. 
Uh, I met a fellow named Steve DeCourcy, who is uh, who's also good friends with Mitch Berman, just to throw a pass at him. Um, and Yeah, uh, you know, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't give a big shout-out to Mitch Berman and the 2010 Fanshawe Falcons. That's right, an absolute amazing uh, supporter of our alumni night, um, who he, where he comes out and, and just absolutely ankles our middle blockers still. Right? He's still got it. <laughs> I've never seen somebody get so many blocks with wrist penetration in their life. Oh, man, what, a, what an absolute... Uh, Physical I, I specimen. I don't know if he can get off the ground at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be really interested to, to see his spike test. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if he cracks the 10-foot mark. <laughs> uh, no chance. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll put 100 down that says he can't. <laughs> I'll put 200 down just to watch. <laughs> No, but that's good. And uh, to wrap things up, I know that uh, you know. I know that you we've cut you know, sort of mid road trip here, so we'll have to keep things a little PG. But we love to uh, we love to dish stories on the pod. So if you have anything that uh, that you know you can share with us of, of any sort of precarious situations that you've been a part of, um, or just any sort of you know niche weird events that have happened in uh, in your volleyball career we'd love to hear them well i i need to share one first actually this is my favorite jeff moment where we're at camp matawaska and and one of the campers name's george he's a big personality and it's talent night and he's up on stage and he's explaining to everybody where he, he's already proven he's the best dancer in, in camp so he doesn't have a skit he's just kind of on stage and all of a sudden, Jeff stands up and finger points at him and says, you're not the best dancer in camp, George. I am. And everybody's like, Jeff, like, calm down. Go sit down, man. Like, what are you doing? And it's a good thing they must have double boarded that roof down, Dallas, because it would have blown off if they hadn't. Because Jeff went on stage and he can, oh, you're toe tapping, you're shaking, you're moving. This isn't just a volleyball guy, Dal. He can move it. That had to be one of the best skits I've seen in Madawaska ever, just because everybody's like, Jeff, stop interrupting the show and yelling at the camper here. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was quite something. That was uh, that was the start of um, you know a, a new era at Camp Madawaska for me. Where you know years, uh, I guess I think that was my second or third year um, there at camp, and I'm running on my ninth year right now. But um, you know that that was quite a moment for sure, and um, you know one that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, George is uh, a great sport, um, you know, for, it, it's all about the kids there, and, you know, we put on a show and had a great time, and, uh, you know, not many people know that, uh, you know, I, I, I used to be a dancer, and that was kind of my, uh, uh, you know, one of my sports, so to speak, um, kind of through high school, and, uh, you know, I was able to showcase not only my, my you know, uh, it's called coaching abilities, but, um, you know, other kind of fun skills and little party tricks that I had in my, in my back pocket there. But, uh, no, that was a ton of fun. And, you know, from that, I, I guess, you know, my story surrounds uh, what's now called the, uh, the Mint Chips. Uh, it was a, a Madawaska-formed uh, lip-sync boy band where we, uh, the five of us, there was three fellas, you know, Sebastian Lethbridge, David Doty, and Taylor Jordan. Um, you know, did their own skit the following year, and myself and Pat Richardson, 
um, you know, did our own thing, and then you know we combined forces and made what's called the mint chips. And um, you know, there was uh, a brand new era of of Mount Alaska performance, and you know, it, it turned into such a huge thing that uh, you know there was an Instagram page made around it, and you know, there's there's promoters calling us to try and sell out their clubs and do these all these whole things, and little do they know that we're just a uh, uh, a few coaches from a, a small camp just east of Bancroft uh, doing some lip sync battles. So, um, you know, what a what an absolute incredible, uh, you know, experience that started so small and just absolutely took off, um, you know, through, through nothing that we've done. And, um, you know, it, it was a pretty cool environment that really um, kind of stoked the fire, so to speak. But... Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. We'll have to find some video of that. I was lucky enough to be in the audience when you guys did your battle. Uh, it was much like WWE, it reminded me of, because the, the heat on stage, the hatred for one another, that it was uh, <laughs> it, it was a good show. There was a bit of a standoff. I thought it was going to go beyond words. I was for sure thought that. But uh, Millsap was there to separate everybody. I, I think the better team won that night. But uh, it was good that you guys could combine forces, and hopefully, hopefully we see you guys somewhere soon. Oh, you know, maybe down in the GTA, you know, that we still, uh, that, that Instagram page is still active and we're still getting bites every now and then, but, um, I, I don't know why, but we let, uh, we gave the keys to Sebastian Lethbridge on that thing, so, well, we did show Ellie Shermer out on this show, so maybe between Ellie, Passing Dimes, the Mint Chips, something can happen, I think you, you combine those three people. There's too much talent in that organization for something not to go down. There's a business and everything. That's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And, and then to, you know, just to add in there the, I, I mean, I'd be a fool not to mention uh, Mike Amoroso and, and the incredible dancing and entertainment that he can provide. So, um, you know, he, uh, it, it would be pretty special to combine that force in there too. Um, with the you know the old time uh, togetherness six a.m. moments that uh, you know that come from that guy, holy uh, you know could a combined forces really do something special here in uh, in volleyball in Ontario? Yeah, I think the train's leaving the station on this one. It's picking up momentum, and, and something's about to go down. I can feel it. <laughs> Something's coming in for sure. <laughs> There's uh, that's a great momentum plug for you. <laughs> no free ads though. No free ads. Not on this show. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, sir, thank you for taking the time after your, after your big dub, and uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for you guys. Thanks for giving a nice preview of the OCAA. Hopefully the, uh, the fans, the friends of the show can be a little patient with the auto quality that uh, you were literally on the bus ride home and made time for us, so we appreciate that. Oh, well, I appreciate uh, you, know, you guys having me on here, and uh, you know, thanks so much for what you're doing for the sport and our nation, and um, you know, we, uh, we really appreciate what you guys are doing, so... I uh, appreciate you having me on, and um, you know, thank you so much. Thank you. Beauty. Thanks, Jeff. No problem. Have a great night, guys. Yeah, you too. you too. Safe drive. Thanks. Thanks again to Jeff Miller for joining the show. Best of luck to Jeff and the Fanshawe Falcons women's volleyball team this season. As we enter back to the indoor season, feel free to check out Show Classics with TJ Sanders, Jesse Elser, and Becky Pavin to get you up to speed with all the things indoor again. And be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes every Friday. Now back to the show. What a good guy. Great guy. That, uh, you know, that goes to show you how far, uh, you know, nice people will get you. 
Yeah, that was a tough one for you because I don't think you've crossed paths with Jeff, but hopefully you and the audience got to learn that uh, kind of an uh, unsung big shooter in the volleyball community. He's got a lot of layers to him. He's a Kawhi Leonard of uh, coaching. Just goes about his business and gets W's. You know, I, I'm a big supporter, Jeff. I think he's one of the more genuine people in our sport. I think he's just all-around good guy. Just It's easy to root for those people. You always want to see them do well because they're just pure, genuine people. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Dal, it's been a while. I feel like we haven't done a show in a while. Like, uh... Well, you know what, Josh? New episodes have been dropping every Friday, and uh, it's good to hear that Passing Dimes has been renewed for a second season. So if you <laughs> like what you hear... Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Podbeam. Download us on the Apple Store, the Google Play Store, uh, or wherever you degenerates get your stolen podcasts from. It's not stolen. I feel like the kids are... If you watch our numbers, Spotify is quickly coming up. Mm. I don't even have a Spotify, but the kids do, Dal. I'm not part of the kids. I found that out the rough way. (laughs) Anyway, be sure to follow us on uh, Instagram and uh, give us some feedback on our Facebook page. That uh, that, that about does it for our episode here. So uh, thanks again for listening. Solid one. Thanks, Jeff. Bye, Mom. Bye, Josh.